when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Since it's the holiday season, we're going to change things up a bit today and talk about something that's on everyone's mind right now, food. Our guest today is a director at the Organic Farming Research Foundation, Denise Ryan, and we're going to settle once and for all the question of whether organic foods are really better for you and the planet and whether they're worth paying a little more for. That way, when you're planning your holiday meals and parties, you can do it with organic ingredients in mind. Before she joins us, let me tell you a little bit about Denise Ryan. Ryan is not your typical organic farming advocate. In fact, most of her career was spent in technology. She worked as the director of channel marketing for Oracle and in international marketing for MicroPro. She also served as the executive director for the Enterprise Network, uh, one of Silicon Valley's most successful entrepreneur incubators. And when she wasn't busy in advancing technology, Ryan could be found advancing the cause of ocean health and sustainability. Last year, Ryan joined the Organic Farming Research Foundation, a one-stop portal for organic farmers everywhere to obtain updates on research, policy, and new tools. So there are few people who know more about this exploding business, one that, by the way, has quadrupled in the past decade. It's my pleasure to have with us a woman who's leveraging technology to make organic farming more effective and widespread, Ms. Denise Ryan. Welcome to the program, Ms. Ryan. Thank you, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. So most of us aren't organic farmers, and we don't really plan to be. So why should people listening today care about organic farming? Well, there are so many facets to the advantages of organic farming. Um, It it runs the myriad from health, nutrition, uh, environmental. Um, It's tastier, but that's a subjective perspective entirely. Um, And... And it supports local agriculture, and it's it's a tradition. We have a long history in our country of organic farming, and, and really industrialization of farming didn't occur until about the Second World War, until the 1940s. Um, so up until that time, we've as Americans, we've always... Um, embraced agriculture and farming and and done so organically. Yeah, but we also used to have a horse and buggy. True. You, you know, so uh, things sometimes people get nostalgic and they say, well, that's the way we used to do things. We always handled it that way. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was better. So, and, and I hear the argument about the nutrition and, you know, local and so on and so forth. But I guess what I'm wondering is we're so drawn to Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Mm-hmm. And and so most people, when they pick up an apple or they pick up a tomato in the grocery store, I'm not sure that it's necessarily registering, you know, is this was this organically grown? Mm-hmm. Uh, should I buy this? Should I put this, ingest this into my body and my children or my husband's body or my family's body mm-hmm. over the holiday season? I don't think that that's really occurring to people. So what can you say to make people care about 
organic uh, farming? Well, you know, I have the enviable job of going around the country and interviewing farmers of all kinds, both non-organic and organic. And the ones who are organic farmers, I, I ask them three questions to my insight study. The first question is, why do you farm organically? Uh, and I'll get as many different answers to that as as people who I interview, as farmers I interview. Really? So there's no consensus? The, you know, and it's interesting to me that there is, for example, one farmer who has been farming conventionally for, you know, he's the third generation. But he decided that he wanted to pr have higher profit per acre. So it was a complete economic decision for him. Another farmer decided to farm organically because he didn't want to build the structure where he would have to keep all the pesticides. Another farmer in North Dakota, a very large uh, rancher, decided to transition to organic because his daughter had really a life-threatening um, asthma disease. His wife was a nurse, and they did a lot of medical research, and he switched everything to chemical-free. His daughter is alive and healthy, and he testifies before Congress at USDA hearings all the time because he, see, he saw firsthand the health implications with his own daughter. And, and you know, I think there are more and more people actually who are being in tune with what they're putting into their bodies. I think, you know, we, all of us are at an, especially women are kind of leading the charge in childbearing ages where they care, they're in the sandwich generation, they're taking care of their parents and they're bringing children into the world. And we're seeing a, a real, um, crisis in our hands and an increase of cancer, an increase of childhood diseases, obesity, diabetes. And these are very compelling reasons for us to be rethinking about the food we eat. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, to the person on the street, organic farming frequently means just pesticide free, but it's more than that. Yes, um, it, it really combines, um, you know, all the way from ethics in, um, to environmental. It's conserving of natural resources, of water usage, of land usage. It's moving away from monoculturing to biodiversity. It's feeding pollinators. It's um, feeding the soil. And America has some of the richest soil in the world. And we keep decreasing its its viability and its health and nutritional value with the more and more leaching of of uh, nitrogen leaching from all the pesticide use. So it, there are many many elements to organic agriculture that span you know soil health, air health, water health, all all kinds of areas. So, so it's safe to say that organic farming is really a complex endeavor. This isn't just a matter of I'm going to grow 
uh, foods and vegetables and livestock uh, that's pesticide or hormone-free. I mean, it's not just restricted to that. There are many aspects of this. And, and so how can a person tell if, you know, something's sort of organically grown or not completely? Or it seems like there are a lot of gray areas. Mm-hmm. You can say organic and slap mm-hmm. a label on anything, but how do you really tell how much organic farming standards or whatever it, it was used? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and we hear that a lot. Um, at our organization, Organic Farming Research Foundation, we are adamantly attached to the national organic standards and the certification. We believe strongly in sustaining those standards so that when you do see something that is labeled and certified organic, it it has followed those guidelines. And getting back to your first comment, which I... I think is really important for listeners to understand. It is complex. Organic farming is a very, very complex endeavor. And and some of the most innovative entrepreneurs I've ever met, and I've been lucky, I've, I've been in the technology industry and met some incredibly brilliant entrepreneurs, but I've never seen any as brilliant as organic farmers, and it's because of this complexity. Not only are there, we don't have sort of the policy and all of the investment in organic agriculture that we do in non-organic, so they have to really innovate on these biodiversity and cover crops, and and they're very very dependent upon research and and learning from one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, this is this is what makes it so compelling to me. Not only are their their production practices very complex, but they have some of the most complex distribution and marketing channels of any entrepreneur that I know of. Well, let's continue on on that subject. We have to take a short commercial break and we'll come back to that. And when we come back, I'd also like to ask you a question that's been bothering me for years. Why does my grocery store charge more for organically grown products? You're listening to the Costa Report. There's no question that selling a home can be a tricky business when the economy is uneven. But here's a little bit of good news. Not only are financing options opening up, America's love affair with the Monterey Peninsula still continues. Homes that are priced and marketed right are moving. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner-broker of Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel, where we're happy to report that inventories are coming down and homes are selling. So if you're getting ready to sell or listing your home, call Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel at 831-622-1040. Or stop by our offices on the corner of Ocean and Dolores or our main office on Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. Alon Pinnell Realtors, serious brokers for serious sellers. You ask. 
asked and we listened. The new and improved paperback edition of The Watchman's Rattle is now available in bookstores everywhere, including airports across the country. If you've been hemming and hawing about not having time to go online or pick up a copy, well, now you don't have any excuses. Find out why government gridlock, terrorism, epidemic obesity, crime on Wall Street, even problems with education and health care have an evolutionary basis to them. Because when you do, you'll never look at our problems the same way. So pick up the freshly printed paperback edition of The Watchman's Rattle. Don't wait. Do it now. Give yourself a real reason to feel optimistic. That's The Watchman's Rattle, available everywhere you are. Ben Loman Market. Low price, great savings, quality, and service that doesn't always cost you more. Hi, I'm Andy, the produce manager at Ben Loman Market. This week we are featuring three-pound bags, California seedless mandarin tangerines, $3.99 a bag, and large California navel oranges, $0.99 cents a pound. We also have California clip-top carrots, $0.49 cents a pound, and California garnet yams, $0.88 cents a pound. From Washington, we are featuring a five-pound bag Fuji apples, $2.99 each. Also from Washington, we have large John of Gold apples, $0.99 cents a pound. From Mexico, we have Roma tomatoes, $0.88 cents a pound. Our weekend specials are large pineapples, $2.99 each, and blackberries, two baskets for $5. So come check out our great selection of fresh produce at Ben Loman Market. Ben Loman Market, a proud member of Think Local First, Santa Cruz County. Coast Paper and Supply has been family-owned and operated since 1948. They have a wide array of products available, including brand name and eco-friendly cleaning supplies, paper goods, and compostable plates, cups, and cutlery. Whether your needs are for business or home, Coast Paper and Supply's friendly and reliable staff have what you're looking for. They even accommodate special orders. You can find them at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30, or call at 831-423-3350. Coast Paper and Supply is a proud member of Think Local First. I'm Ethan Behrman, host of Smoke-Filled World. Each week, I cut through the smoke-filled world of politics and current events to bring key issues and figures into sharper view. I have my finger on the transnational pulse. Tune into the show for interviews with compelling and connected guests. I'll be taking your calls while presenting ideas that are left, right, and forward. Listen to Ethan Behrman's Smoke-Filled World, 6 to 8 p.m. Sundays here on KSEO AM 1080. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest is one of the directors of the Organic Farming Research Foundation, Denise Ryan. And today we're trying to separate fact from fiction when it comes to organic farming. And one of the points that we were making in the last segment was that there's a lot of moving parts here. This is not just simply a matter of I'm going to quit using pesticides mm-hmm. and, and supplementing uh, with uh, artificial uh, chemicals. Um and and you make the point that even distribution is complex mm-hmm. for someone who decides to become an organic farmer. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Yeah, I mean, I I find it very interesting that this organic farmer is an individual who gets up at the break of dawn, is tending to a food production and livestock, and then also sustaining distribution channels 
direct. You know, this is B2B, B2C, C2C. This is all different kinds of channels. And and having come from technology and a B2B channel marketing is my background. And I look at these individuals who are not only producing this healthful food, and really it's it's because of a Truly, it's but how an many ethical. people that come from an agricultural background are prepared for that level of complexity in in terms of distribution alone? We're not even talking about pricing. We're not even no. talking about uh, microorganisms. I mean, they practically have to be a, a, have a pharma lab to trace the possible viruses yep. and microorganisms that they. I mean, agriculture has changed so radically mm-hmm. in the last decade or two that it's shocking. Yes. This isn't put a seed in the ground and water uh, it. No, no. It, it it is complex and it's uh, it, it's it's a heady experience for me to be involved in it actually because of the complexity. It's I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be fun. I'll go work at Organic Farming Research Foundation, <laughs> and it is fun and I do love it. But it is complex. Just as complex as your jobs in technology. It, it sounds like absolutely, absolutely is. And and I love the question that you ask. You know, just because you have an affinity to grow food or to be a farmer, and, you know, maybe you have some romantic ideals about going back to the we land. We all have them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that doesn't mean you understand sales and marketing and distribution. And so what, you know, we have done is, through our organization, we've done an assessment of the land-grant universities. Now, these are the federally funded universities that um, are obligated to teach agricultural practices to meet a demand. And some of them are doing a good job of teaching future organic farmers and some not so good. Some of them are more the non-organic bent. But one of the ones, a few of the ones that are doing the best job are they have an organic market, they have an organic farm on site. They're also teaching business and distribution and sales. It's really an MBA in organic it, agriculture. It sounds like it. I'm remembering going to business school where we'd have these sort of mock businesses that we'd work in, and it sounds like that's and those are the most successful programs for absolutely. people. Absolutely, and, mm-hmm. and Michigan State University is one that's just puts as much energy, and they put a great deal of investment and energy into teaching organic farming practices as well as owning, operating, and sustaining and growing a viable organic business. So moving right along, a lot of folks are planning their holiday dinners and parties right now, Mm -hmm. and the economy has made us all a little more price sensitive. So why do so many grocery stores charge more for organically grown products? I mean, there's no pesticides, no chemicals. So is it the complexity? Is the, is, the, is the complexity of the distribution channel, the complexity of what you have to know to be able to be successful in organic farming, is that what's adding the additional price pressures? Uh, that's a terrific question. And, and sometimes we get asked the question, of, can organic feed the world? That's sort of a different one. But um, it's very difficult to be a farmer in this country. 
no matter what kind of farmer you are, it's challenging. For an organic farmer, it's even more difficult. We do not have an infrastructure in place that supports the nuances of their business. You can't get loans. Organic farmers can't get loans that non-organic farmers can't. Nobody can get loans. But they can't. (laughs) Well, I mean, go to the bank with uh, a boatload of money in your car and you still can't get a loan. I mean, so I can understand that. But what you're saying is is that the the financing just isn't there. The financing is is not there because the templates are not in existence. A banker knows what kind of yield is going to happen with an conventional crop. They don't know what's going to happen with biodiverse, all the the intricacies and There's no models. There's no models for risk management, for insurance, for for drought, even though we know organic acreage does better in drought conditions than non-organic. So the burden is on the organic farmer. For example, chemical drift or GMOs. It's on the organic farmer to pay for the certification to make sure it's pure. And also, organic farming is more labor-intensive. The good part about that is that it hires more people. It creates more jobs. Well, we're going to talk about that in a moment because, the, you know, the big topic this year was jobs creation, right? Yep, yep. And on that, the both both presidential candidates could agree. So we're going to talk about that in a moment mm-hmm. because uh, organic farming has created jobs mm-hmm. and in, in measurable numbers. So that's going to be something that, that is important for, uh, I think, the future president to uh, to examine. Absolutely. Um, so in a way, I think what you're saying is, is that, the slightly higher prices, and they aren't that significant, but the slightly higher prices is a way that the organic farmer is funding themselves. Because if there's no models for being able to go to a bank, there's not anybody really that excited about funding them uh, because it looks riskier. It may not be riskier, right. but the appearance of it is riskier if there's no financial models. Um, then I guess in a way, we're all funding the expansion of organic farming uh, by voting with our dollars at the grocery store. We call it voting with your fork. And we definitely believe that when you make that decision to pay a couple cents more for that organic apple or that organic turkey, um, you're, you're making a statement. You are making a statement saying that you want healthful, nutritious food to be more accessible to more people. And really, the consumer holds all the power in this. Why do we, why do we consumers think we don't have any power? I, I we d- really do. I, I mean, except for a, a few extremists that say, all right, we're going to protest all the advertisers <laughs> on Rush Limbaugh. You right. know, we, 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 for some reason, we act like we have no power when, in fact, the only power that exists in the United States is voting at the cash register with your dollar. We exactly. all kind of know that, but, but it's, a, it's a big problem. Now, we have to go to a, another commercial break. We're going to come back to that about what consumers can do to make sure that uh, organic farming continues to thrive in the United States. You're listening to The Costa report.
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, and I'm here to tell you about a family that has been producing old school premium wines in California for longer than I have been on the radio. They started small with only one goal, to produce limited lots that rival the best wines in the world. And they have never drifted from that goal. So this holiday, take my word for it and check out Caraccioli's premium Brut, Brut Rosé, Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay. They make a welcomed gift. And if you're near their tasting room in downtown Carmel, stop by and sample the wines the Caraccioli family has been perfecting for generations. That's Caraccioli Cellars. Don't forget that name because these are wines that you're going to be hearing a lot more about. And from the Caraccioli family to you, have a happy and safe holiday. Nancy, tasting room manager for Bargetto in Soquel. Since 1933, Bargetto Winery has been producing award-winning wines. There's always something special happening at Bargetto's. December 1st and 2nd, join Bargetto for our holiday festival of fine art and wine in the cellars from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. With 27 local artists and a unique opportunity to tour the wine cellars, please join us rain or shine December 1st and 2nd. Bargetto's Tasting Room is open daily at 3535 North Main Street in Soquel or bargetto.com. When you want straight talk, great service, and the best deals, you will always find them at North Bay Ford in Santa Cruz. Hello, I'm Jeff Winterholder. North Bay Ford is a locally owned dealership with low overhead, friendly, small town values, and the best deals on new and pre-owned cars, trucks, and RVs. Get this, Jeff's deal of the week at North Bay Ford. Wow, you will have fun. Lots of fun while saving money with a new fuel-efficient 252 horsepower 2013 Ford Focus ST. Yes, 252 horsepower from a 2-liter Ford EcoBoost engine will give you lots of fun, and you'll get 23 miles per gallon city and 32 highway. You simply must drive the new Ford Focus ST to believe how much fun you can have saving money on gas. So get on down to North Bay Ford and say, Jeff, put me in a Focus ST. Come standard with variable cam timing, six-speed select shift transmission, and starts at only $24,495 at North Bay Ford. We need a quality pre-owned economy car for your college student, a new family car for your Sunday drives, or a fleet of powerful new trucks for your berry ranches. Look first to your friends and neighbors at locally owned North Bay Ford. 1999 Soquel Avenue, Santa Cruz, or on the web at NorthBayFord.com. Things at last. Hi, folks. Warren Knox here of Knox Roofing. Yes, things that last. Like, there's enough junk in the world, so ask yourself, do I need it? And will it last? Like, your favorite hat, good friends, great relationships, your old car, maybe ailments, experiences, and emotions can last. Heartbreaks can last. Broken body parts can last. Gold can last. But then there's companies like Kellogg's, KSCO Radio, Caterpillar, Ford, Heinz Ketchup. Is it ketchup or cassup? Never knew that one. They've all lasted. Hey, what about a good roof installed by Knox Roofing? Now there's something that will last. Okay, give us a call at 461-0634. We'll tell you all about it. Our roofs do last. Thanks, folks. Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. on It's the Way of Love, live. Kyle Tierman of Surfing for Change. The music of Coyote Slim. And giveaways, tickets to an altered Christmas, plus a signed copy of It's the Way of Love story. Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. on It's the Way of Love, live on KSCO.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and I'm here today with one of the directors of the Organic Farming Research Foundation, Denise Ryan. And we've been talking about the complexity and success, actually, of organic farming in the United States. As you say, farming of any type is very, very difficult. But, you know, this was a big election year, and we heard a lot of talk about job creation and how the key to getting America back on its feet was to generate more jobs. And one of the things I noticed when I was preparing for my interview with you is that organic farming has quadrupled in less than a decade. So one of my questions was whether those were jobs that were just replacing traditional farming, or is there any research that shows that this is expanding and actually creating new jobs? Oh, absolutely. There's there's a lot of research. I mean, I can talk about our own county um, right here. There's approximately 3,500 organic farm acres in our county. It represents 18% of the agricultural land, and it's valued at $27 million. Uh, right now, we have 112 certified organic operations, and we do have many, many statistics, and it's, it's such a dynamic, moving number uh, growing uh, in the right direction of job creation. We also... Um, Another element to this that I think is fascinating is that we have an aging farmer population. The average age of an American farmer, no matter what type, is 57 years old. That means in the next I decade. I don't think people know that. Yeah, no. Yeah. They, a lot of people. And, and, and are these fa- still family businesses? Do they move on to the next generation? Or is the next generation? Because the largest migration in human history is going on right now from rural to urban areas. So yeah. I got to imagine that that affects that transition. Well, we, we are seeing a very interesting trend going on. And it is because of the smart consumers that are demanding more organic. Uh, organic food industry really has grown at a rate of 20% since the 1970s. And even in our worst economic recession, it was growing at 10%. Non-organic has had a continuous growth of only 1% a year for decades. So these these are profitable businesses. These it is it has gone from since I have been involved, it's gone from 20 billion to a 32 billion dollar industry. So all these people that are listening today that say, "Hey, there's nothing to invest your money in." Right. You you can't invest in real estate. You can't invest in bonds and all that. They ought to be looking at organic farming. This this is recession proof, folks. Well, you know, I I happen to feel it is. And in fact, I have two uh, sons in college right now and they have both their initial investing portfolio is in investing in organic industry and its growth. So these are young people. And we're finding, while we have this aging population of farmers, and you're right, we don't know who the next generation is going to be because this 57-year-old farmer is probably third, fourth-generation farmer. You bet. And and who's going to tend to that farmer's land? It's a little unclear because young people can't really afford land. We we have we have the organic landless trend going on right now. So Senator or Secretary Vilsack of USDA is calling for 100,000 new farmers in the next few years. 
And, and we're going to see more and more investment in land-grant universities teaching organic practices. We're going to see more and more investment in research in, in the multiple uh, benefits to organic agriculture. Uh, we're going to see a lot more investment into the positive health implications of consuming organics. Because we have a very interesting economic opportunity in our country. It is very, very rare that we have demand outpacing supply. And this is a great opportunity. I, I, don't, I can't even think of another industry that's in that position. I, it, Maybe the Apple smartphone, when the new one, when it comes it, out for five days. But that right? was, exactly. But, but I, don't, I don't know of another industry that's, in, that's sitting in that, that cat seat. I, I mean, I, uh, so, so our government really recognizes that. Absolutely. Now, now, is this an export opportunity for us? Well, if we if we don't take advantage of this opportunity, it's going to be an import situation. So we're either going to import clean food or we're going to export clean food. Exactly. We're, we're, we're really down to this. But, but the world needs clean food. Absolutely. This isn't just you and I in the United States. The world is demanding clean food. And you add that up with we have the richest soil in the world and the best technology in the world. And, and what do you have? You have a phenomenal export opportunity. Exactly. So why have we been falling asleep at the wheel? What's been going on here? You know, I, I think <laughs> I think change in an infrastructure is a very slow and arduous process. I think it's very difficult to change institutions. Uh, we we have a Department of Agriculture that is fueled by very conventional. Uh, chemical-based uh, funding, and and consume. This is where consumers have a great opportunity to help change. Okay, that. so you're kind of dancing around this. So let, let me say it because you'll get in trouble if you say this. But are we talking about chemical companies having PAC money and influencing Washington D.C.? And the answer is you don't have to answer this. Yes, we're talking about that. We're saying that change can't happen as fast as we want for all the same reasons that change can't happen in any other industry. It Absolutely. doesn't matter if it's the auto industry. It doesn't matter if it's organic farming. But that's what I love about doing this. Project. Program because we're able to get that information out to the public and say, listen, when you pay a little bit more at the grocery store to get that organic food, you are funding an opportunity for organic farmers to expand their capability and to provide an export opportunity that will lead to jobs and not depend on the U.S. Department of Agriculture to make that change. You're doing right. good work here, right, Rebecca. Right, right. We, we can make the change ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we need to stop going back to Washington, D.C. and saying, well, you know, I hope that they'll catch on. I hope that they'll disengage from the PAC money there. I mean, we, we keep thinking that when, in fact, we're voting with our dollars every minute of every day. And, and right. this is another example of that. That's right. So let's talk about the job creations. Um, uh are these jobs that are migrating from traditional chemical-based farming to organic farming, or are these? Do you get the sense that this is a growth industry and it's se somehow separate? Uh, 
I no, I think it's very related. I don't think any of the, any of the two areas that you just cited are are uh, non-related. Mm-hmm. I think it is a growth opportunity. It's you know farmers markets are that is providing jobs in our local communities at a it's an incredible i don't have the statistic well, available. i don't know of a town that doesn't have three farmers markets but, anymore as particularly in california but that's you that is unique that is a growth trend and that is employing people just when you look at just that alone and then when you look at the actual labor intensity of organic farming you know you're not using chemicals for weed management you're using people you're using applications of cover crops you're using it's it's different than just you know one bottle I spray. will tell you that even the manual labor is more intensive and requires more training you have to handle fruits and vegetables in a different way to prevent bruising Correct. before it gets to the store and so on and so forth so you really actually even have a higher quality manual laborer as well in Absolutely. organic farming so how does that work with all the labor shortages in agriculture right now uh, let's talk about that in just a minute we're going to take a short break but I'd like to get back to that because I hear the rumblings that there's some agricultural manual labor shortages that are affecting the growth of the industry. So uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, you're listening to the Costa Report. Just about everyone knows that fruits and vegetables are good for our health, but not everyone knows how to build a healthier plate. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. For each meal, nutrition experts recommend filling half of your plate with fruits and veggies. Whether it's fresh berries with your breakfast cereal, a wrap filled with your favorite roasted vegetables for lunch, or a medley of crunchy veggies for a pre-dinner nibble, Dole provides the freshest and highest quality produce available. When you load up on all the nutritional good stuff, you give your meal an instant boost of color, flavor, and texture, plus vitamins and minerals and fiber. Everything your body needs to succeed. For nutritional inspiration and to learn more about Dole's fresh, whole, and cut vegetables and a full line of berries, visit Dole.com. With Dole as your partner in health, the possibilities are endless. Visit Dole.com. The holiday season is in full swing, and I know how important it is to select just the right gift for the people you love. That's why this year I want to suggest something that won't end up in the closet or garage. The new paperback edition of The Watchman's Rattle has just hit bookstores everywhere. In fact, for those of you true last-minute shoppers, you can even pick up a copy at the airport. That's right right there at the airport at any one of the Hudson bookstores. So this year, give the book that explains how we can fix our current economic worries and make life fun again. Give the Watchman's Rattle. And while you're at it, pick up a copy for yourself. You'll be glad you did. It's all about old Santa coming Christmas Eve to answer many letters that you can't believe. 
the faces of the kids are. When it's time to turn on the lights, nobody does it better than the Santa Cruz Harbor's annual lighted boat parade. Get dressed up in some warm clothes and warm up to the holidays on Saturday night as KSCO broadcasts live from the deck of Aldo's. Have a great time viewing all the lights as lighted boats move up and down the harbor. Meet lots of interesting people and enjoy lots of great tasting treats from Aldo's. Join KSCO and light it up for the holidays at the Santa Cruz Harbor's annual Lighted Boat Parade. Broadcast starts at 5 p.m., but go early and stay late for all the fun. It's out with the inside and in with the outside with some help from your friends and neighbors at Ace Hardware. Hello, Charlie Friedman here. You know, there's lots to do to keep the old home front looking good and feeling happy. Gotta paint the fence, patch the driveway, fix the drip irrigation, and fertilize the fruit trees. (laughs) And that's just for starters. Now, I could head across town to that giant box store and spend an hour wandering up and down the aisles, but I won't. Instead, I'll head over to my neighborhood Ace Hardware. They're in Watsonville, Freedom, Marina, Salinas, and Gilroy. These Ace Hardware stores are locally owned by my friends Manuel and Carlos Rodriguez, who are almost always on hand to make sure everything is working right. At my neighborhood Ace, someone will meet me at the door and take me straight to the solution to my homeowner needs. That means I leave with the goods in a bag and a smile on my face. Now, when you find yourself in need of a paintbrush, a screwdriver, or fertilizer, I suggest you head to your neighborhood Ace Hardware store in Watsonville, Freedom, Marina, Salinas, or Gilroy. Think of it as your ace in the hole. Hi, Jacoby here, host of Raising the Standards, right here on KSCO Saturdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Tune in and join me, Rachel, my co-host, our buddy Rick, and some of the most interesting folks in the world as we chat and play the best music on the planet. And remember, if at some point during the program you're not offended, well, you're just not listening. Raising the Standards, Saturdays here on KSCO, 3 to 5. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest is Denise Ryan from the Organic Farming Research Foundation. And before we took our break, uh, we were starting to touch on the idea that there might be a labor shortage that would uh, suppress or or prevent the organic uh, farming movement uh, and industry, which is creating jobs and is a potential export leadership opportunity for the United States and seems to be recession immune. Um, Is a labor shortage looming out there that could potentially affect how fast this industry grows? You know, I, I don't really work directly in the areas of labor, but I think that generally, no matter what kind of farm you have, non-organic or organic, we're looking at a labor shortage. Um, and and so when you do decide to farm organically or to manage that kind of a business, you are thinking, you know, you're t- you're talking about human resources, uh, and and it is something that needs to be carefully planned for. Um, we're seeing that a lot of people who do work on organic farms are are migrating, transitioning from non-organic. Because for health reasons, a lot of farm workers, we know that they have less health risks on an organic farm. Um, So 
I, I so think in some ways, you might not have as much of a challenge if you have an organic farm in attracting laborers who may want to get away from working in fields that are infested with chemicals. Yeah, I, right. I, 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 boy, really, if I had a choice, I'd, I'd go work in a field that didn't have chemicals. I, I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, when you're seeing the drift of chemicals in, in some communities where the schools and children have a higher rates of leukemia, you know, yeah, I I. I think if you're going to make a choice to be a farm laborer, I know I personally would want to be on an organic. Perfect perfect sense. Um, So while you're out there, you do a lot of uh, field trips. You like to be out in the field. You like to talk to these organic farmers. You like to talk to traditional farmers who might be thinking Mm -hmm. about becoming organic farmers. So what's the biggest innovation that you've come across recently that sort of took you back and said, wow, I never thought of that before? Um, Well, you know... I'm from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> so you are a long ways from home. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan to Oracle to, to to Silicon Valley and now organic farming. It's an interesting journey. You know, we have to have another show to talk about that. <laughs> but what's really been I you know, I'm a business person, so I I'm from the auto industry. I love the auto industry and and that the way that took off and the history of that. And then I came in and I cut my teeth with introducing one of the first word processing software products onto the market. And now here I am on the farm and Honestly. So in other words, stock investors should just follow you around. <laughs> Whatever career decision you make, they ought to invest big. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think everything I learn on a farm is it's all new and innovative to me. I mean, I'm I'm kind of walking around like gee whiz the whole time. So. You know, the the fact that, you know, my work is in business and marketing, and I think that's what I love seeing the most is is how organic farmers position their their greens to some of the she-she restaurants in New York City and Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, as well as as how they're selling it in the farmer's market. So we have bling vegetables, you and have we have, the, you we have, have regular vegetables, yeah. and then we have the bruised vegetables I mean, at the farmer's market. You're, you're seeing different positioning. All kinds of things, as That's well as, and we have a, um, a previous board member who is is a um, apple farmer, apple tree, um, and he has one of the most innovative ways of uh, pruning the apple tree that I've nobody has ever seen before but he's coming out you know he's he's in Colorado and he's selling to Rocky Mountain Whole Foods and he's coming up with with the new trendy apple you know what was yesterday's Fuji apple is now tomorrow's, you know, what bling apples, uh, yeah, as you right, said. So, right. so, so, so there's I, a hierarchy developing there here. Is. And, I, and people are branding and they're innovating even within agri- agriculture. And I, I mean, I walk around our farmer's market and we're, we are very fortunate to live in our region. And I, I keep seeing, picking up new vegetables that, and fruits that I've never seen before. And it's just Wow, where did this come from? It's it's all certified organic, and they're just staying ahead of the curve on on food and and 
and really, food. You know, this is the holiday season. You opened it with that, and we're all turning into foodies. And that's we are, becoming... boy. I, I'm hooked on the cooking channel. I know. So, and they're always bringing someone something in. You know, they have these food contests, and all of a sudden, somebody will open up a basket, or they'll have Top Chef, and they'll say, "Here's dragon fruit. Do something with it." And I go, "What's a dragon fruit? Uh, it exactly. looks gnarly." And I know that if presented with it, I would. I would prepare it wrong, you know, but, but imagine the first time somebody looked at an artichoke, right? They, they didn't exactly say, wow, that's probably real yummy. Right. I mean, it probably didn't it's look that, that edible. It's a thistle. <laughs> so, so what is one of the biggest myths that, uh, happened that you encountered uh, when it comes to organic farming? What was one of the myths that you had when you took this job that it was immediately busted? Was it that farmers weren't innovative? Did, were you thinking that kind of when no, you entered? Or? No. In fact, um, you know, I, I am a curious person. So for me to yeah, learn I think we got that. a completely <laughs> new industry is yeah. very fascinating to me. I think one of the myths that broke me open um, is the many different reasons why farmers choose to farm organically. So why were you thinking that they chose to do that? You know, I thought it was environmental. I really did. So you thought they were all greenies. I thought they were all greenies. I see. You know, hippie, yurt dwellers, you know. (laughs) I think, by the way, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of listeners have to fess up. I think they've got that myth, too. They think they're a bunch of Birkenstock-wearing, you know, uh, hippies that are out there doing a small farm, and then they take their leftover tomatoes to the farmer's market. I think they are thinking that. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, that is imprinted on me from you know, growing up in Michigan and, you know, it's just an imprint on, on what farmers are. Well, lo and behold, what I'm finding out is we work with young farmers, especially at the land-grant universities, that are early adopters of technology. They understand mobile technology better than anybody else. That's what they're using on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. They're managing very complex contact database systems um and and they have as many different reasons for wanting to farm organically and to do it more effectively efficiently than any any other business person that makes it tough to market though uh, because when you have a fragmented market that has lots of different motivations it's hard to aggregate the message and i think that's part of Mm -hmm. why the uh, research foundation does so well Mm -hmm. is that you're basically acknowledging that every farmer has a different reason and a different interest and a different way of going about it and so you've become this central repository of information absolutely um and you're right our challenge is uh to to stay on top of it and to stay as innovative as our primary customers and those are organic farmers that's really who we serve so we we talk to them on a regular basis, and I think I, I mentioned to you that I conduct an insight study. I ask three questions. Why do you farm organically? The next question is I ask them, well, what's going on on your farm? Because I've learned that if I ask a farmer uh, if what their challenges are, they're, they're really loath to share that because they're very self-reliant people who believe that um, – 
you know, we, we don't, we don't have challenges. We have opportunities. <laughs> so I ask them what's going on on your farm. And then I usually hear, oh, you know, I'm really struggling with getting this fence up. And then I've got, you know, the drought problem. Sure. That's where I really hear about things. Sure. Well, uh, I, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I could, I could go on talking for hours <laughs> with you and I'm afraid that that's all the time we have left today. But before I let you go, let me take a moment to thank you for giving all of us a reason to pause and think about what we're putting on our tables this holiday season. Thank you, Ms. Ryan. Thank you. If your station is leaving us after the first hour, my guest next week is the man who first gave birth to shock journalism and also had the longest-running syndicated talk show in television history. The one and only Phil Donahue will be here. In addition to talking about the media's coverage of the recent election, Donahue will offer his prescription for where we go from here to heal the nation's divide. He'll also give us a fresh perspective on growing tensions in the Middle East. Don't miss Phil Donahue next week right here on your favorite weekly news program. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and you're listening to The Costa Report. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner, broker, and active real estate agent of Alon Pinnell Realtors, a locally owned real estate company. We've operated on the peninsula for over 16 years, currently located on the corner of Ocean and Dolores and Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. We serve the Monterey Peninsula, focusing on Carmel, Pebble Beach, and the Carmel Valley. Our firm of about 50 agents represents everything from Carmel Cottages to Pebble Beach Estates and oceanfront properties to Valley Vineyards. We are actually known for our vast inventory of fine properties. Drop by and see us, or better yet, visit our website at apr-carmel.com. That's apr-carmel.com. Or you can give us a call at 831 822-1040. And make sure you tell them Judy sent me. I'm Jim Bohannon, host of America in the Morning. Each day, we take you around America and the world to bring you the latest from the Midwest, the Middle East, or the middle of ground zero. A 911 call in the middle of the night. This is Howard Aronstein in Washington. Peter Mayer, the White House. David Dow, Los Angeles. Kimberly Dozier, Islamabad. And we wake up the newsmakers who wake up the world. We're joined by Senator Joe Lieberman, former Defense Secretary William Cohen, the Reverend Jeffy Jackson, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And while we keep our eye on the top news, we never lose sight of all the information you need to make your life complete. Well, Jim, the Northeast has had storm systems sweeping across the Northeast today. Sports time and the Tony Roberts Morning Drive jumpstarts your day. What jumpstarts your morning drive? We'd like to join Jim Bohannon on America in the Morning, 5 to 6, Monday through Friday on KSCO. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.